welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. In episode 2.3, Individual Learning Preferences, this is area of expertise two for instructional design. We're going to answer the questions, how do learners best acquire knowledge or change their behaviors? What are the way training environments, psychological comfort levels, social style, and learning modalities impact learning solutions? So let's get into it. Here are the two learning objectives for section 2.3. Explain why learning styles is a myth and define learning modalities. So let's get into learning modalities and talk ways that we kind of interpret and receive information in our brains through the five senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. So debunked learning style concept is a myth. As mentioned in 2.2, the last episode, uh, we have multiple intelligences, preferences, and styles. And learning styles that try to measure differences in individuals' learning have been debunked in our myth. You might know a few of these assessments and instruments, right? So there's the CALB learning style inventory or the VAC visual auditory kinesthetic that you may have taken back in the day as a learner um, or some sort of training session that said, how do you prefer to learn? Researchers have tossed that out because there is no evidence for validity of learning styles or that it leads to optimal learning if it is identified. Additionally, investing in these learning styles assessments or inventories could lead learners to develop self-limiting beliefs. So really, they might have a self-fulfilling prophecy of only learning one way or not trying to learn a different way with another way to perceive or sense it. So models that incorporate learning preferences, some evidence-based theories and models focus on learning preferences, which we mentioned in the last learning theory section are multiple intelligences. We talked about brain-based approaches that uh, brain-based learning and factors that affecting speed at which adults learn and accelerated learning techniques have been mentioned. So both in training, delivery, and episode 2.2 learning theories, we talked about a few of those things. Characteristics of adult learners, or CAL, and chain of response core models are developed by Patricia Cross. So CAL, the characteristics of adult learners, is a framework developed to describe why adults participate in learning, motivations, and deterrence to adult learning. Core, that chain of response, is a model that asserts that adult participation in learning is not an isolated act, but results from a complex series of personal responses to internal and external variables that either encourage or discourage participation in learning. So an example might be um, someone in the class is doing something distracting in a training session, um, and they notice and hear some sort of tack or tip or clicking of their pen. This might be the chain of response from Adler might be to be distracted, to look away, to not pay attention to learning. And this is typical of that chain of response act. For the characteristics of adult learning, so what motivations will get them to participate, what deterrents, those were talked about in the last episode. So is it they want to seek out promotion, they want to accomplish something um, for themselves, they're really interested in a new topic and growing, or they want to enhance maybe skills like leadership so they can move into management. 
The design value of learning modalities is really important. So although we don't use learning style preferences, so we got rid of that video, visual, audio kinesthetic, we're going to look at something for offering training and learning solutions for different modes, mediums, and techniques to resonate with all different types of learners. So a few helpful reminders of why multiple modes for learning are critical is from uh, Julie Durkinson in her book, Design for How People Learn. She recommends a few reasons why modalities of learning need to be varied. So first, everyone does not learn in the same way. Design learning experiences incorporate so many different approaches, really trigger memory and help people maintain interest and they're engaged in that training learning process. Designers should look the way learning is approached depending on the subject, topic, or the focus of the training. So there's some evidence that suggests that adapting the approach to the content is helpful. So an example might be if there's a skill they should practice, then they should be putting that skill into practice in the learning context so they can um, test it out, try it out, or use that in an experiential way. So an example might be an active listening. They might do a role play or they might do an active listening activity that gets them thinking about how to apply, understand, and interpret that in that training setting. Uh, Except for any accessibility needs or physical impairments, most learners use senses, predominantly visual, auditory, and tactile ways to learn with some smell and taste exceptions. So if your training needs require you to be um, learning a different taste, like a sommelier tasting wine or a chef if you're cooking. Um, so there might be different senses used in, to reach a variety of learners. So Three senses, seeing, um, you're going to want to provide written instructions when possible. You want to enhance uh, presentations, demonstrations with visuals, graphic, illustrations, diagrams, props, or flowcharts. So you want to keep the mind of the visual learner and helping participants um, visualize process using demonstrations or role plays. Other ways people have done this is applying them to create a concept or a mind map, have them draw or illustrate something. So um, this is all something they can see. Hearing, um, providing spoken directions is critical. So the auditory side, you really want to use discussions, debates, panels, or interviews, and various fine forms of discussion group configurations to get that hearing sense activated. So thinking about that auditory, um, maybe they're into podcasts like this, or maybe they can hear a news clip that's been played or a slice of um, some sort of audio piece that they can understand and interpret. Touching the tactile is providing hands-on practical experiences. So this could be with an actual equipment, um, a form, a tool. So if they need to learn how to use a database, they should be actively on a computer, a laptop, a tablet, or a device, and they should be practicing how to complete that process, activating that database, um, activating that tool. If they're engaging in experiential learning activities or solving problems, that also will motivate them to learn in that tactile touching sense and allowing time for active review and practice methods. So this could be role playing. This could be um, working out a case study of some sort, things like that. We need to design learning beyond our own experiences or personal preferences for learning. So I really think I'm more cognizant of that. I think about instructional design. It needs to be relevant for on-the-job outcomes and performance. I do teach a class on multimodal approaches. So I think there's so many ways that we can learn, teach. And I put a link to a little bit about that course I teach online. Um, as learning styles have been debunked, there are some things saying that diversity of choice and how you learn a skill, a concept or theory is really important. So I always think about um, ways that you can have multiple modes approach to have knowledge construction. 
um, engage the learner and think about diverse types of learners. So maybe they just appreciate uh, multiple ways to learn or refer back to that learning material. So I think about creating multimodal artifacts or learning objects to uh, represent a theory and mode. So if I'm going to have an audio and oral meeting, I'm going to think about music, ambient noise, alerts, hearing. If I think about um, creating something like a presentation, like I did an introduction to this class, and you'll see in this post, I did an audio version, I did a screencast so they could see slides as I talk through images. Um, so I had a slide deck, I grabbed this screencast, and I have the MP4 is a video so they could watch or an MP3 that they could listen, download and take portable. Um, I also created um, some notes and I did the transcript of what I said so they can read them. They can review the syllabus of this course and they could read the actual language as a walkthrough. So not only do they have the audio, um, the visual, the video, the slide deck, the visual, but they also could read um, the visual. And so they were then required to think about and interpret meaning for visual learning in their first reflection. So that's them applying the concept and asking, what are some ways that you're thinking about multimodal approaches? So I think about the spatial, tactile, and gestural meanings. And what does that mean in expressing yourself, how you communicate through your body, facial expressions, eye movement, demeanor, um, multiple um, creations. So how you can do different ways to learn and um, thinking about approaches of how we design learning. So what are ways and what advice and suggestions do you have for multimodal approaches for learning? Love to know. I would add it to this course that I teach and just my own learning. So tell me how you think about multiple modes when you construct learning design. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.